Catch your many blessings, cut them one by one. You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Why, hello there, and welcome back to The Worship Review. <laughs> their favorite podcast, which charitably and critically analyzes the texts of Christian worship music. My name is Tyler. I'm a linguist, a, a Germanicist, and a friendly guy, and I'm joined, as always, by Colin. I'm Colin. I am not an impersonator of an NPR host. Uh, I am a history professor instead. And uh, we are also joined by a couple of guests, right, Tyler? That's right. We are joined by Mike Tapper, Chair of Religion at Southern Wesleyan University. Hello, Mike. Wow, that is impressive. Yeah, yeah, here we are. Yeah, nice to be here, guys. Thanks so much for inviting us. And of course, uh, we are once again joined by Marc Jolicoeur, pastor of Moncton Wesleyan Church and host of the Jolly Thoughts podcast. Hello, Marc. Salut tout le monde. Welcome. If you Tyler, this is, is, this is also your, your Seth MacFarlane way of doing <laughs> things, right? Where he just carries on the joke for two, three, four minutes. It circles oh, back. For the yeah. next 20 minutes, of course. Yeah. If you haven't yet had the chance, I encourage all of our listeners to go back and listen to last week's episode with Mike and Mark, where we looked at two different studies on the content and on the um, rise and fall of various worship songs over the past 20 years plus. It's much, much interesting. It's much it's double Ooh, plus interesting. This is embarrassing. It's double plus interesting. So I highly recommend <laughs> it to all of you. But today we are not talking about those studies. We're talking about a song by Rend Collective called "Counting Every Blessing." Now this this song in 2019 was nominated for a GMA Gospel Music Association Dove Award for Song of the Year. And so in our fifth season, we're looking at these uh, either nominees or winners at the GM, GMA Dove Awards. And so we're going to take a look at counting every blessing. As a first, guys, we always start with a summary of the song. So I'll start with you, Colin. Could you summarize this song for us? Sure. I'm going to borrow to start what Wren Collective themselves say about this song. So on their website, they say, Counting every blessing came from a season of real wrestling with God because we couldn't see his promises coming to pass we despaired instead of looking at the signs of his goodness along the way. It's so easy to give in to looking at what God hasn't done yet, rather than counting the blessings that God has already given us. And I would say, in my reading, this song stays true to that. It seems to be a song which doesn't just say it's going to count every blessing or count blessings, but it actually talks about some blessings that that the individual singer has received. I mean, whether this is talking about real life blessings or just kind of blessings in a more ethereal or, or abstract way, or maybe a, a, a gen generalized way. Nevertheless, there's there are blessings counted, and God is praised for providing those blessings. And of course, this is ultimately a testimony to God's goodness. Any thoughts, Tyler? I, yeah, I have to say, I really appreciated the candor of that explanation of why they wrote the song because sometimes you may feel i can say from experience as a worship leader like you have to um 
put on some kind of uh, facade. And it sounds like they're being very, very honest about some some doubts and struggles they were having. Hmm. So I can appreciate that. Well, with that said, let's go into the lyrics. I was blind. Oh, no, no. Uh, 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 that's not the first lyric, Tyler. You know what we have to do. Mike, could you do that again, please? <laughs> ooh. ooh is right. <laughs> Excuse me. So this song opens with ooh. Mark, your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love I love a good nonverbal. Um, I mean, well, you're, I friend, you're a French speaker. You like vowels, right? Oh, tellement. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, we run into these all the time. Like I, I, I did like in Christ alone, the passion version of it, uh, for Easter. Uh, so right. if anybody knows, knows that song, it has this kind of, whoa, so like literally, I don't know, eight, 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 12% of the song. Can I ask Mark, is, is that the version where they, they bump up an octave on like the third verse when it comes in in that third verse, yeah. do you oh, yeah. sing it an octave high with your congregation? Like do you do you do you jump up there? So we actually had a female lead it, uh, okay. and so I find that they rarely can do that. I don't know. I don't know why. Yes. I always thought the females had larger ranges than than men, but it's, they just have different ranges than men. Yeah. Uh, and so when I'm if I was leading it, I probably would. And mm-hmm. but uh, no, we didn't do it. Okay. Um, but what we did do is uh, we did a whole lot of whoa's. And so I told uh, you know I, I tell my worship leaders I'm like you're not leading the congregation for those right. Like we're just we're doing like you are an instrument at this point in time. You are you are singing the interlude. Uh, and so uh, you don't need to make sure that I sing this with me. Whoa. And it's okay if people sing along. That's great. But it's not as like, that's not really what we're hoping to get them all riled up for. And I'm sure that neither is, although if you've ever been to a collective concert, they probably would like people to, mm. to whoa with them. So it is really good, Mark. I have to say to have your uh, practical expertise and experience with leading that um, on the show, because usually what I say is I, Okay, they said, oh, I don't really know what to make of that, and then I move on. But you've clearly <laughs> got a whole philosophy about these. I know how to fill time, guys. Listen, if you just want me to like, just give me any word, I'll just start talking about it. It's fine. I was blind, now I'm seeing in color. I was dead, now I'm living forever. I had failed, but you were my redeemer. I've been blessed beyond all measure. I was blind, now I'm seeing in color, spelled with a U, just for you, Mark. Oh, bear in mind, listeners, uh, Rent Collective are from Northern Ireland, from Bangor. Uh, Mike's Um, a Canadian in exile as well, so he he cares (laughs) about that U. That's That's right. Savior, color, yeah. I was blind, now I'm seeing in color. I was dead, now I'm living forever. I had failed, but you were my redeemer. I've been blessed beyond all measure. Mike, what is being said in these words? Wow. Well, we've got a nice contrast there, Tyler and Colin, between blind and seeing, uh, dead and living, maybe a nod to Ezekiel 37. I, I don't know. We love to sing about dry bones these days, guys. So maybe this is another clandestine dry bones song. Um, nice mention of Redeemer there, Tyler and Colin and listeners. Uh, so full props there. Um, and a whole lot of I personal pronouns. 
Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, what do you make of that, Mike, as an expert on personal pronouns and worship music? Oh, well, um, let's let's look at the Psalms uh, <laughs> and, uh, and let's acknowledge that uh, if we were to hammer our Psalms in the same way that we might hammer this, uh, not hammer, but evaluate this song, uh, we might have a similar critique of uh, of the Psalms. Nonetheless, uh, 27 I's in the song, 22 me's, and four my's. So we've got, God, we've got a pretty a strong singular <laughs> pronoun emphasis here, folks. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that's a part of the concept, though? If you're counting every blessing, generally you are looking at, you know, how you individually have been um, sure. uh, benefited in some way. Yeah, um, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, you want to push like, you know, your your goal often is to try to push it corporate, like, well, how can we make this a we but that's, um, it, I do think you're right in this one, in this one very specific example, it would be kind of false, possibly to kind of claim that the blessing of your neighbor is one that you can kind of grab onto. I mean, that we do kind of liturgically want people to do that to rehearse things that are not necessarily true for them that are, you know, that yeah. are going to become true for them. But mm -hmm. in a recall status like this, I can kind of see the merit in what we're doing here. What I'm most interested in is the kind of switch to were my redeemer. I'm I'm fascinated ah. by that. So like, in other words, I was blind, I am seeing a color, I was dead, I am living forever, I had failed. But the redemption is sort of like a it almost I mean not to get you know too analytical, but it kind of sounds like it could be like a past tense as opposed to like you are currently redeeming me. Um that might be a theological kind of uh tip of the hat to a way that there or it could just be a, a nice rhyme. I'm not really sure about it. Uh, there's three verb tenses here, right? We have this um, preterite, I was blind, now I am seeing in color. Then we have the present progressive, I was dead, now I am living forever. I had failed. Mm -hmm. It's actually the pluperfect. Um, but you were my redeemer. So it's actually pointing back to a time in the past when uh, you, presumably God, was my redeemer. I, I wonder if that's about the incarnation um, or if that's about individual uh, salvation through uh, repentance and faith. But then we have another verb tense, I have been blessed. So then we have this present perfect, where I'm talking about what um, I am now because of some action in the past. So I think uh, structurally, it's it's pretty interesting because it's pointing in a bunch of different temporal directions and saying all true things. It's fascinating to me that the the contrast, so I was blind, I was dead, and then it's not just that the person sees or that the person lives, but there's a kind of going beyond what you might expect. So sort of moving beyond expectations. So I'm seeing in color, like a kind of descriptor for what the seeing is. And also I'm living forever. So it's just, I mean, I don't know what you make of that, Tyler, about the seeing in color thing is a bit strange, you know, maybe a bit strange because was the person blind or was the person colorblind if we wanted to be really... <laughs> pedantic uh but it, it seems odd i don't know tyler you have thoughts yeah i think so what we have here is in color and then forever we have two adverbial phrases but in color is a prepositional phrase inside of the adverbial phrase but either way they're both like degree adverbs so they both take what's something that we might think is a, a kind of binary like i was dead now i am alive and they're amplifying it by taking it to the next degree it's like i guess it's not just that i can see but I could actually see it 
in color. I can almost imagine like a Pixar animation here or something where it's like, you know, now presented in Dolby Ultra. High it's definition. a Wizard of Oz. It's a Wizard yeah. of Oz scenario is what I'm seeing. So it's kind of like, you know, Dorothy gets to Oz and now it's all, oh man, look <laughs> at the go. Technicolor. Yeah. yeah. I was dead, but now I'm living, but I'm not just alive. I'm going to live forever. I'm living mm -hmm. forever now. I think uh, these uh, degree uh, modifiers are pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It feels Hebrew-ish to me. Like I, I feel like that's pretty Sami, where they kind of pile on. So it's not it's not just contrast, but it's like kind of like a yeah an extra layer on top of it. Mm -hmm. I think so. Although I, I think, Colin, I would also be open to the um, argument that um, when when we read something like Psalm one forty six eight, the Lord gives sight to the blind, we generally don't think He's making them able to see, but not able to see color. Yeah, <laughs> I guess sure. Theoretically, it's sure. possible, but it may be just. Uh, Flare for flare's sake, excuse yeah. me. <laughs> well, what about the uh, what about the the, the guy who gets spit? Yep. Gets Jesus spit on his face, yeah. right? Like, can't yeah. see, he, at first he just sees trees it's walking trees. around, but then yeah. and, you know, and so kind of the second time around. I mean, I don't know, Tyler. For what it's worth, my son, uh, he he is red red green colorblind, and so uh, I'm going to hope that maybe if he sings this red collective song enough times, uh, maybe he'll he'll claim his blessing. That would yeah. be. Miraculous. Can I ask, and again, feel free if you don't want to answer this or whatever, but yeah, I mean, I wonder, you know, I don't want to do the let's look for reasons to be offended thing, but yeah, I mean, I wonder what a colorblind person might <laughs> yeah. feel like singing this. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, most I think most people who are that level of colorblind don't consider themselves in any way to really be um, uh, disabled. But I mean, like there yeah. are people who literally have like, um, so for example, my wife had every intention of being, being a, a pilot. That was her, uh, that was what she was going to do, but she was not able to because of this one thing. Uh, and so, and there's people who have much, much deeper, uh, levels of kind of sight, sight bonded. And so we, we do often think about, um, we don't think about the kind of consequences to some of those kinds of words that would make them feel othered. Yeah. I was lost, now I'm found by the Father. I've been changed from a treasure I've been given a hope and a future I've been blessed beyond all measure I was lost now I'm found by the father I've been changed from a ruin to treasure I've been given a hope and a future I've been blessed beyond all measure Mark what's being said in these lines well, we have the what sounds like a, an illusion kind of right off the top. I mean, it, it depends on where you're coming from. If you're a, if you're coming from a hymn, hymn background, you're thinking of like, I once was lost, but now I'm found. But this kind of by the father thing, I think for some reason calls to mind uh, the um, the prodigal son, even though that's not exactly what tends to happen in that story. But I think that's kind of what they're Anyway, it, it's what comes to mind for me at the very least when you when you read those words. I don't really know uh, what the line from a ruin to treasure is. That's it's that's a pretty poetic uh, turn of phrase that is probably lost on some people. Um, but then, yeah, we're just con continuing along the theme here with with kind of essentially I was this and now I'm this, uh, and so just can you know calling to mind all these these uh, these blessings that, that he's received. Yeah, I wondered about this hope and a future, if this is, because I was thinking, um, what is the hope and what is the future that we have been given in Christ? And mm -hmm. it seems 
it seems to me like this would be something like Romans 8, 16, and 17. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Like, we have to look forward to um, a, a, an inheritance that is much higher than even the richest inheritance we could ever imagine, and that is a um, inheritance of being uh, a co-heir with Christ. Yeah, but it shows you the ambiguity in what these lyrics can do. So that's a fantastic uh, pool to be dipping into, Tyler. When it comes mm. to what you're, if you're singing this song on Sunday morning, or you know, behind the seat of uh, the the steering wheel as you're driving your kids to soccer practice or whatever, that's fantastic. But if if your hope in the future is you know the Mercedes Benz and and the luxury uh, luxury poolside estate, like you can you can also kind of put some of these other uh, other futures in in this. There's a little bit of a lack of clarity sometimes in how mm-hmm. we can sing these songs. That's a really yep. good point, Mark. Yep. That's a really good point. I am counting every blessing, counting every blessing, letting go and trusting when I cannot see. I am counting every blessing, counting every blessing. Surely every season you are good to me. I am counting. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I just... It just, I, I can't, I can't not hear the, the hymn. I can, I can't not hear, um, from Johnson Oatman. Yes, that's his name. 1897. Uh, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. But, count your blessings, and then there's like a fermata. <gasps> count, count your many blessings, blessings <laughs> <laughs> well done excellent oh, i think that's the cold open <laughs> yes it is yes turn off my mic and just let mark and mike take it i am oh. counting every blessing counting every blessing letting go and trusting when i cannot see i'm counting every blessing counting every blessing surely every season you are good to me colin what's yeah. going on here well, okay, I'll just pick out. Yeah, so the just declaration of counting blessings, which makes sense based on what has been said before. So he's the the the, the singer is saying, "Yep, I just did this thing." I I have a nitpick here, and that is just with this idea of letting go. I I just find this colloquialism tiring. I I don't know what it means. I mean, letting go of some things is a really good thing to do. Letting go of some other things might be a really bad thing to do, and I would I, I wish I had some more clarity mm-hmm. as to what that meant exactly. I don't even know what even outside of the song. I don't, some Christians will talk about like let go and let God. I don't know what that means either. That's and, for when you're driving your kids to soccer practice, right? Yeah. It's like Jesus take the <laughs> Jesus wheel. Jesus take the wheel, which is a <laughs> terrible idea. Uh, yeah, don't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's a that's a bad joke. No, but yeah. no, you're, yeah. So I don't know. I I don't. I'm not sure what to. I, I'm not sure what to do with this. Yeah, I had a gripe on a different line. Actually, we were just talking about how we can see in color, and now he cannot see. It's <laughs> oh, no. pretty frustrating. <laughs> uh, now, not all, not well, all I am permanent. 
uh, I am counting blessings, guys. And in the first eight lines, we've got eight blessings, which is yeah. actually, if you're counting blessings in counting every blessing, 1897, there aren't actually any blessings. So right. yeah. kudos to Rend. Improvement. Uh, eight, uh, eight blessings, first eight lines. Uh, there's my counting. My little nitpick <laughs> in this section, and it... Um, it would dovetail to another um, song that maybe you've uh, evaluated and critiqued Good Good Father. Oh, yeah. Um, you are good to me. Now, in fairness, uh, we've already talked about um, singularity. And so um, that line, you are perfect in all of your ways to me or to us. Um, this this rings true for me as I bring some of that baggage into this song. Uh, you are good period. God, you are not merely good to me. Um, yeah. Mike, you would like our podcast. Yeah, so we, we, we brought that same thing up with, uh, with good, good father. Tyler gave it two out of five celebrity worship superstars. And I gave it two out of five repeated bridges. So we agree oh with you on that one too. So. I, I, sorry. Go ahead, Tyler. No, no, Mark, I, I, I always get a chance to, well, okay. I, I mean, I just have to push back and say, okay. you're right. And yet you're also wrong because there is, <laughs> the, you, if God is good in a vacuum and there's no one to observe, then how can we say anything about it? And obviously the point of the song so far is about understanding that he is good. And so actually I like that section because surely in every season, I think what we're seeing here is this like, um, that even if there are no blessings to be counted in this exact moment, I know that you are still good to me. Uh, so even if the medicine doesn't feel like it's working, uh, I know that you're good to me. And so I, I think I, I'm, I'm going to be a little more charitable to good. the, to so the, the to me ads uh, for you, Mark. I, I think that it does because for him to say that you're good full stop, which is hundred percent factual is not acknowledging the fact that even if he is in a tough time, he can receive the goodness of God. Fair enough. I would just like to say this is uh, this is a point where um, everyone who ever hated making sentence diagrams in <laughs> high school, if you ever had to do that, or you like map it out with a tree, um, this is a point where it's actually really useful. Does to me modify good, or does it modify are? Right. If it modifies good, it's saying you are good in a direction, right, toward me. If it's modifying are, it's uh, to me it appears that you are good. And I think the gripe for me is uh, similar to what Mike was saying. It kind of begs a question. If God is goodness itself, hmm. um, he isn't just good to me. And if I say, you you know, it is my opinion, is my belief that you are good, um, that's fine, that's fair. But it seems to like beg a question that um, is there a sense in which he could not be good, um, which I think we'd all reject. So wholeheartedly. Yeah. I like Good Good Father. <laughs> and I sing this song too. Oh. It's the uh it's the polite Canadian uh rebuttal there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
in the valley of shadows. You were there in the depth of my sorrows. You are my strength, my hope for tomorrow. I've been blessed beyond all measure. Mike, what's going on here? Yeah, sure. So a little background uh, research on my end, um, realizing that the songwriters were uh, referring to a time when they wrote the song when they were dealing with pretty deep depression. Um, dealing with some issues related to comparison, which I thought was quite uh, forthcoming uh, and open of them. You know, I'm kind of obsessed with this whole Instagram phenomenon. Um, why can't my living room look like that, uh, that sort of comparison game and kind of devolving into some pretty dark places? Uh, obviously here, pretty hard to read that first line without thinking to Psalm 23, um, and yeah, some, some really honest, um, really honest lyrics here about what it's like to deal with darkness, to deal with shadows and sorrows and juxtaposed, of course, with, um, God being there. I can imagine that people who sing this and listen to this might find the same sort of hope that the songwriter actually did when they wrote it. I was thinking just as that opening line referenced Amazing Grace or seem to, and just as the contents and the chorus seem to reference Count Your Many Blessings, this, you're my strength, my hope for tomorrow. I wondered if this was a great, greatest thy faithfulness reference where, you know, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Mm. Um, I did not know that about the uh, deep depression. And uh, we've done a few songs, actually one by For King and Country in the past, where um, they, they've dealt with the issue of depression, the issue of suicide, and we've said, you know, of course, um, uh, get help if you are feeling any anything like that. Uh, you you need to talk to someone, and people care about you and are there for you. And yet, at the same time, it makes being um, critical about the song a little bit difficult too, because then it's like, am I? I don't want to, you know, kick someone while they're down. Of course, either. Um, if you release the song to the general public, you have to be willing to be kicked. That's kind of how it goes. Mark, I did not expect that comment from you. That is awesome. <laughs> I mean, th these guys have thick skin too. Like it's not, it, listen, they, they've, they've read the, you either avoid, avoid reading the press or you, you read all the press. That's just kind of how it goes. So, yeah. yeah. There were a few things in here that I um, also thought were quite interesting. So um, the, the Valley of Shadows, yes, Mike, it brought to mind Psalm 23. But the, the depth of my sorrows, you were there in the depth of my sorrows. I wondered if there was a reference to the ESV, um, Isaiah 53, 4, surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Because you can imagine someone being kind of, you know, having those sorrows carried off of them uh, by Christ. Maybe that's too charitable of me. Um, but then this being blessed beyond all measure uh, made me think of um, Psalm 40. Um, and as it concludes, or Psalm 45, Psalm 40, verse 5, uh, the psalmist writes, Were I to proclaim and tell of them your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us, they would be more than could be counted. So it seems like that's also hinting at something that would just be utterly unmeasurable. It would be, um, I could try and count my blessings, but I would completely run out of the capacity to do that.
Surely your goodness pursues me. Surely your heart is still for me. I will remember your mercies all my days through every storm and gale. Mark, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on here? Uh, well, I, again, this is a kind of an issue of translation. I said again, I think this is actually referencing the, our last podcast. Um, but when it comes to like biblical translations, and when you hear these kind of like trigger words, where you're like, to me, this sounds like Psalm 23 again, pretty, pretty, di- just because of the surely your goodness and mercy will follow me, right? Um, however, uh, what I'm, and I don't know enough about the Hebrew to, to get into it, but like, uh, what's, uh, I, I think you're used to hearing will follow me. Uh, you're not necessarily used to hearing pursue me. Uh, and there's a kind of a mild difference, but to, I mean, pursuit sounds much more active, I think kind of like more, you know, coming after as opposed to kind of coming with. Uh, and so that's an interesting little nuance that would be interesting, but, um, this is just one more of these kind of reminders, right? Like no matter what happens all my days, I will remember your mercies. Um, I don't know how you get days and gale to rhyme. Um, but uh, he did it. He made it Irish. The Irish. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably Diaz and Gail. <laughs> um, now, I, I actually thought, uh, of course, I also thought of Psalm 23, but this brought me back to a point earlier in this song where um, the, uh, the Ren Collective guys say, I, I was lost and I'm found by the Father. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think our minds go to the prodigal son or something like that. But I was also wondering if this is Luke 15 where um, Jesus tells a parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep, i.e. pursue the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and gets home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. So we have really, the, it does seem like in that um, the Lord pursuing, um, the lost sheep. And then here again, uh, perhaps another reference to that where um, your goodness, I guess, personified maybe pursues me. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's a stretch. You could tell me if that's a stretch. I'm putting this out there. So, uh, Mark, you can kick me uh, <laughs> by your own rules. <laughs> um, I'll just add something about the through every storm and gale, which seems to me to be a reference, obviously, to my hope is built on nothing less. Right. And I'm especially happy to have Mark and Mike to hear this because so one of the things that so 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 your 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 study talks about um you know the increasing or or I guess the 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 speeding up or the compressing of life cycles of worship music. And so I wonder too if there's like market saturation related to that too. Like there are just a lot more worship songs coming out, and I noticed that at least in the film industry, the way that this is being resolved is films are doing soft reboots or they're finding ways of sticking out by calling upon something that's old, right? So a film will reference something previously or will redo something because even films, right? How many classic films have come out over the last 10 years? I don't think there have been that many that have been stuck. In fact, I bet if someone did a similar study to what you guys have done with film, I wonder if there would be some some kind of similar phenomenon. And I halfway suspect that what may be happening in worship music lately in response to the phenomenon that you your study reveals is that there may be, and you could study this, uh, 
there may be increasing references to older hymns in newer songs as a way to give the song, which is going to be fleeting, a sense of oldness or a sense of tradition. And this is the second or third time that this song has referenced an old standard hymn. And I we've seen that in several of the songs that we've looked at that come out in the last six or seven years. I wonder if you folks would have thoughts on that. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think it just nailed the, it's a, uh, it's uh, it's bar, borrowed cachet, right? Like if, right. if you can, if you can kind of like, just like a, make an illusion and, and we have already talked about how biblical textual illusions are increasingly difficult because we don't have a shared biblical text. We have the concepts, but we have no like literal, you can't just quote because like, what are you quoting from? Are you quoting from the passion translation or are you quoting from, it's like, that's hard, but like, you know, kind of song texts are a little bit more solid. So kind of every, every one of these that we can throw in there. Yeah. definitely gives us a little bit of credibility for, uh, not just for the youngster, uh, not just for the oldsters, but for the youngsters as well, I think. Yeah. I, I wondered about this on the last podcast, but I didn't say it because I didn't want to take too much time, but I was wondering if, there's any causality between the apparent correlation of the increased speed with which these songs take root in the CCLI and the sudden or ostensibly sudden uh, rise of groups that seek to either revamp old hymns or really focus on old hymnody. It seems like, like, you know, like the indelible grace people, the Gettys, you know, I don't know if that movement would have succeeded in the eighties and nineties, but it, seems to have really taken root uh, as people were becoming more aware of the transience of a lot of the music that was being sung in the church. Well, like in the 80s and 90s, I mean, so like to t- even into the 90s, so take a song like um, that was mentioned on the last episode, Refiner's Fire. A lot of those Maranatha songs in the 80s and then into the 90s, they were trying to move away from hymns. Like they were trying to be the, the Jesus people, it was, it was, uh, we don't want to be, you know, these are boomers. They don't want to be like their stuffy parents. Um, they want to sing expressive, you know, reflective praise songs. And yeah, I mean, so now you've got all these, uh, zoomers and millennials, I guess, that want to go back to the referencing the hymns, but they still want new songs. It both ways, man. <laughs> For your goodness, I will ever praise you. Oh, you are good to me. Oh, you are good to me. Sing it out now. For your goodness, I will ever praise you. Oh, 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 you are good to me. Sing it out now in my hurting. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> do you actually say these words? Do you know re- gonna... all the except reading words? I'm just going to read, yeah, the stuff in the middle in between all of the repeated stuff. You know so. what? It's, I mean, Tyler, I need, I need to, I'm fascinated by this because one of the things that I hear in when people are leading, um, leading worship songs, especially ones that are like recorded worship songs, um, recorded live. And you have these worship leaders that do these kind of extemporaneous 
kind of things between lines. And those are often, you know, to hype up the congregation or sometimes they're literally like to let the band know, oh, let's sing that again. Yeah. And I think I, I hit a boiling point a few years ago when I started hearing people um, do these songs again, like uh, say like a glorious day from passion or whatever. Some song, and you start hearing worship leaders and they are saying like on Sunday morning or whatever, like they're saying those lines, like right. they're saying the ones it's oh. like, man. And, and right. I find myself, I, if I've listened to the recording enough times too, I have a hard time not doing it. And so I'm like kind of sitting here chuckling over these little, like you saying, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa whatever, but you're like, they actually be, become part of the yes. text for people when they receive them. And so I guess that's why you're doing this. Yeah. Key example of this is Chris Tomlin's How Great Is Our God. Where sing he, with me. It, sing with me, exactly. Right. That That is in the official lyrics, right? Right. right. It really gets cemented there. Uh, I have to ask, Mark, as someone who uh, does this professionally, how extemporaneous are the extemporaneous remarks? Because um, it seems like if it were truly extemporaneous, you would have a real big diversity of, of stuff that would come out of people's mouths. But it seems like it's kind of formulaic. Like there's a little cachet of... Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you have different people who do different ways, right? Um, if you were conscious at all that you're going to say something terrible, <laughs> which I am, uh, because I've left to my own devices, I could say anything at any moment. Uh, you kind of want to have a bank of things that are kind of like safe to say. Uh, so often, like, for example, um, uh, you, you you look at like what the next line of the, of the song is going to be, right? And so then you kind of like dip into that. But every once in a while, I get caught with this where like the song, the next line is about hell or something like that. And you're like, what, hell? you know, you overcame the grave. <laughs> you just you say the word, you're just like, ah. In and of itself, those three words didn't really have a lot of like great communication power. Uh, and so, uh, but yeah, a lot of people don't, I'd say uh, not enough people in, in my humble opinion, uh, plan for actually what they could say between those. And so, yeah, it could seem false to some people, I think, to be like, well, to kind of plan those things in advance. But the alternative is to say something that's distracting or that's kind of terrible <laughs> for the congregation. And so, sure. Yeah. Well, um, I won't read them all, but um, <laughs> for your goodness, I will ever praise you. You are good to me. Sing it out now in my hurting. I'll sing it loud, even in the dark. Lift your voices all the time. Call it. What's going on here? (laughs) Extemporaneous (laughs) words. I I don't know what you want me to say. I mean, yes. So these are just uh, these are just some thoughts that he says, and and we almost have a psalm like uh, kind of refrain through this. You oh oh oh, you are good to me. You are good to me. So he he just describes different things like hurting and singing and being in the darkness and but praising at the same time. But you know whatever's happening, God is still good. I think that's probably what we could draw from this. And like I said before, it does seem kind of formulaic in that all the words are different, but they're communicating very similar things. Sing it out, sing it loud, lift your voices. All this means get louder. And in my hurting, in the dark, all the time, well, the first two seem to indicate, you know, when things are bad. Um, And then the third one seems to say when things are bad and when things are good, um, you know, get loud and, and sing. Right. So... Uh, with that said, uh, gentlemen, could we offer some concluding remarks after ha- having gone through all of the lyrics, even the ones that Mark didn't think we were going to go through? Um, what concluding remarks would you guys offer about this song? Wow, I'd say I'd say uh, good job, Ren Collective, in naming blessings. Uh, well, well done in that regard. Um, 
this is a song that uh, speaks to people's um, could potentially speak to people's hearts while they're walking through the valley. Um, I will uh, give them a pass on the overemphasis on singular pronouns and say that if we just sang songs like this, uh, a steady diet of uh, me, my, I, and mine, uh, we might find ourselves in trouble, but um, I'm going to give Ren to pass on that and say, good job with uh, naming blessings. Yeah. I don't know if I could sing this on Sunday morning. Uh, it, it would have to be really specific. It would have to be like, uh, like we had a, we had a, uh, the messages about blessings. We got to get something in there. Uh, I, you know, it's a good song, but it is too, I think it's a little bit too individual to make for a really good corporate song. Uh, but seeing as how I don't think they've made any pretense to it being that, uh, I, I think it's, you know, it's really, really well performed. I think it's a, it's a beautiful song. Um, his voice is just unreal. And I really like the kind of subtlety with the drums and a lot of the production stuff. So I thought it was really great. And a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of illusions, even if they're not kind of quotes as well, which I, I personally, even though it might be pandering, Colin, I'm a fan, I'm a fan <laughs> of pandering. I like it. All right, Colin, what did you give this? Uh, I gave this three out of five, 24 99s, because in addition to reading the story about the song on Ren Collective's website, you can immediately buy a t-shirt with the name of the song on it for the low, low price of $24.99. So, or maybe three easy payments of, you know, whatever, whatever that would be. So you got to get them before the prices go up, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah got to go. Yeah. It might be more next month. Mark, what did you give this song? I'm gonna come. Uh, you, you guys don't do half measures, right? It's either it's it's one or. Oh uh, no, one. they <laughs> deliberately don't. You cannot say two and a half. That's not allowed. No equivocation. No three quarters. I'm gonna go with. You know, I'm gonna go with four out of five Lucky Charms. Okay, for the Irish. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> and because I like them so good. Although you, they're Northern you, Irish, right? So I don't know if the Republic of Ireland would appreciate us yes. calling them Irish. And and also, you are aware that the Lucky Lucky Charms have been making some people sick lately. Were you aware of that? Oh, I was not. Should yeah, I I, it was some, kids so, yeah, it's a large number of people. It's it's been reported. So you should look into that. Really? Make sure what that happens? You, 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 I don't know that they, they accidentally put unlucky charms in them. I'm not sure, but it's my word. Something my son tonight happened. was is, my my son tonight was literally asking me about salmonella and wondering if it was actually related to salmon. And so now I'm trying to backtrack and think: <laughs> is it is this the reason that he's aware of what this potential? Maybe he's uh, feeling a little queasy is. after eating some of those marshmallow goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike, what did you give this song out of five? Wow, I'm I'm going to give it um, a four out of five, but with the Canadian conversion, it's down to three and a half. <laughs> That's oh, it, it drops down to three and a half with the conversion. Uh, I just got, I got tired of singing to me, to me, to me, to me. So it's, uh, it's going to be a four in Canada, but a three and a half in the U.S. and okay. in other parts of the world. Okay. So it's four Canadian dollars out of five. That's it. Okay. I, I think I agree with um, Mike and Mark. This is a. Weirdly enough, I think I'm going to strike the same note that Mark struck, where I think it's a good song. I'll give it a four, but I'm not going to recommend it for a church to sing this on a Sunday morning. Like, I think in terms of what could be on Christian radio, this is pretty good. Mm. Um, 
compared to the Jesus said my coffee thing that I heard the other day, um, <laughs> this is really good. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with four out of five in-ear monitors because for some reason at the end of the video, like the 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 video is gradually fading out and he kind of dramatically pulls out an in-ear monitor <laughs> and it cuts off the video and I thought that just a weird ending. So uh, yep. Well, listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Worship Review. Thank you, Mike and Mark, for being on the show. It's been our extreme Canadian pleasure. Pleasure. But if you're Canadian, does that mean you have to say that, or is that just the... Uh... Yes, it does. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Well. It's, Sorry. It's in the book they're all given. <laughs> yeah. And we hope to catch you again next week. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.